Merry Christmas. Uh, you're too kind. Thank you for that grace there for all of us. Um, I want to say thank you on behalf of Northwest Community Church, our elder team, our staff team. We just want to say thank you for just allowing us to be a part of your Christmas celebration. Uh, our, our hope and our goal is to really, really understand who Christ is, what he came to do. The, great, the greatest rescue that's ever been known to man is what we celebrate at Christmas. And so we just want to spend some time doing that. And we just want to thank you. If you're a regular attender, we want to thank you for coming. If you're a visitor, then we want to thank you again for coming. And so we just uh, appreciate you being here. And we're grateful that we can uh, be able to celebrate again the greatest, the greatest rescue that's ever been known to man. That's King Jesus being sent uh, for us in that manger. I, to get us started, I want to go ahead and talk to you a little bit about um, a, a rescue. Many of you could probably sit there in your own life and talk about how you've been rescued. When I was five years old, we met some new friends. We were living in outside of Washington, D.C., in northern Virginia. We went to the friend's house, and I decided to do what any five-year-old boy would do, and that's decided I'd climb a tree. They had a big tree in their front yard. The tree sort of split off in a V, and I sort of put my knee down on this knot, and something happened where my knee got stuck in the tree, and I could not get it out. And so we tried, we tried, we tried, and could not, it would not work, and so my mother came outside. At that time, she was extremely pregnant with my sister, and needless to say, she was really no help to me at that time. My knee was stuck, and we needed help, so the only thing that she and the lady at the house, our friend, our new friend, decided to do is they decided to call 911. And so the fire truck came up, and the firemen came out, and, and they tried to get my knee out of this tree, and it wasn't going very well. And so finally one fireman came out and said, I think I've got the trick. And he had these boots on with spikes. It is at this moment that I cried. Loudly. He said, I think I'm going to give this. If we don't do this, then we're going to have to cut the tree down. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's, this is our last moment with this new friend. This is now an old friend. He put his spike on one part of the tree, pulled the other part of the tree open, and there comes my leg. It comes out. And I was rescued. I have never forgotten that. This year, this year, uh, the world was captivated by the soccer team that went caving. And they went into this cave, this Thai cave, and they, they went deep into the cave. As a matter of fact, they went 2.5 miles into the cave. The water was rising and they couldn't get out. And they were stuck there for 17 days, 2.5 miles into the cave. A really, really a dangerous, dangerous. And these Navy SEALs came in and people from all over the world decided, here's how we're going to try to get them out. And they came in and put each boy on a sled and rescued them and pulled them out on, tied to a carabiner. These Navy SEALs did that. Probably one of the most dramatic rescues that I have ever read about and heard about is the one that took place in August 5th, 2010. It was the Chilean Miner Rescue they were digging for copper and silver and they were in this mine and all of a sudden it collapsed. And what happened is, is that they went in on August the 5th and they communicated with them on August the 22nd. It was the first time they had communication with them. Didn't know how they were doing, didn't know what was going on. The miners had food, tuna and mackerel and some water from these different stations throughout the mine that they were able to sustain themselves on. And on August the 22nd, they were able to communicate with them and talk to them about the great rescue that they were going to be doing. Here's the case in context. I want you to make sure that you understand that they were buried. They were buried 2,300 feet below the surface of the ground. 
2,300 feet below the surface of the ground. The Empire State Building from the top of the tower all the way to the bottom from the antenna is 1,400 feet from top to bottom. So these miners were buried into the ground basically 2,300 feet, 1,000 feet greater than the Empire State Building to give you this, this significance of that. They were trapped again, like I said, for 33 miners, 69 days. The gravity of the situation was overwhelming. How are we going to get out of here? They looked at each other and there was comments of what they've said is, this is an impossible situation. There is no hope for us to get out of it. This is what they need to do. Listen to me. This is what they said. In order for us to get out of here, we need help from up there. That's what the miners said. Don't give us a shovel to try to dig our way out or work our way out. It is impossible for us to get to safety by being buried 2,300 feet below the surface of the ground. And so, basically, 69 days later, after several attempts of trying to get that, this is what they did. They lowered a capsule, and that capsule went down into this cylinder, and it went down, and it rescued every single miner one at a time. It rescued every single miner one at a time. And we can sit there and we can go, well, you know what? I've been in a car accident and I've been rescued by this or this situation. We take a look at the soccer team that's been rescued out of the cave and we take a look at the miners that are rescued out of this mine shaft. And we say, well, that's an incredible, incredible rescue effort of getting them back to where they were, to where they are. But I'll tell you right now that there is no greater rescue known to man than the baby that was sent in a manger in an inn because there was no room. He was built, he was born in that stable because he went to the inn, his parents, and there was no room in the inn. And he went to a stable and was born in a manger and that baby grew to be Jesus, fully God, fully man. Fully God and fully man. The word advent means arrival. The word Emmanuel means God with us. And we celebrate the arrival of King Jesus, which is definitely the most dramatic, the most important rescue that's ever been recorded in the history of mankind. And I want us to sit there and take that theme and walk through John 3.16 together. Many of you are familiar with that verse, and I hope that you are. Maybe some of you are not familiar with that verse. But that verse will help us understand this beautiful rescue that's taken place for you and I. You see, when we understand that the miners, they were in a very, very difficult situation. Those that were buried in the cave and those that were buried in the mine, they were in a difficult situation. You might even say that's an impossible situation. But being buried 2,300 feet below the surface of the earth doesn't even compare to the difficult situation that you and I find when we are born into this world based on Romans 3.23, which says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. And so we have this basic, just basic problem that is huge and it's needs to be overcome. And so we take a look and we sit there and we can recognize that even on our best day, even on our best day, we are not adequately capable of handling the issue that is in front of us. And that is an impossible situation to reconcile our sin. You could say that we are buried in our sin and there is nothing in the world that we can do about it. 
But there is something and there is someone who came to do something about it. And that's why we have Christmas and that's why we celebrate Christmas because we celebrate the greatest rescue effort ever known to man. So John 3.16 is our text for this evening. And what I want to do is I want to really just walk us through that text to really have three points and to summarize the greatest rescue effort ever. Here's what it says in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's what he came to do. The first thing that I want you to see and I want myself to see is is the rescue of God is based on his love for you. The rescue of God is based on his love for you. Very first, we look at the text and it says, for God so loved. The word so in front of loved is a basically bold declaration that I love you no matter who you are and what you've done. I look at you in your mess. I look at you in all your despair. I look at you in your sinfulness. And I'm telling you right now, he says, I love you and I love you just the way that you are, but I'm not gonna keep you that way. And so we know that his rescue effort is based off of his great love. In his sovereignty, he knows that marriages are struggling. He knows that parenting is hard. He sees people then and sees people now that were mocking him. And he still came and he still comes to rescue us. Instead of sidestepping our broken world, he lovingly steps into it. I'm overwhelmed by this verse, Romans 5, 8. This verse just overwhelms me with so much gratitude. It says, God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here, when we look at the magnitude of God's love, we take a look and we see, hey, we were at our worst and he loved us. That's unbelievable. This word we use, this word love, it's agape. It is unconditional. The rescue that we need is based on his great love for this world. And listen, let me tell you this right now. God knows your world. He sees your world. And he loves everything about you and wants to change you. This rescue effort is based off of his love. Augustine says this. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. First John 4, 8 says that God is love. So we don't know the nature of God. We want to know who he is. The Bible says very clearly that God is love. And I know that Christmas is filled with joy and laughter and loved ones, and that's great. But it's also filled with loneliness. And it's also filled with brokenness. And it's also filled with despair. Because maybe you're celebrating Christmas that someone that was there last year is not there this year. And the great love of God is a basic declaration that says you are seen and you are loved. That's what he's saying. You are seen and you are loved. Second thing that I want you to see in this text is that the rescue of God is a gift to you. So the rescue of God is based on his love for you and the rescue of God is a gift to you. That word gave in the text again, just messes with me and overwhelms me in such a profound and unique way. It says, for God so loved the world, here it is, that he gave his son. He sees me at his worst. He loves me and gives me what I need. I don't need to clean this up. He just wants me to come to him. It's not like he's checking a list of saying who's been naughty or nice to see who he's going to love. He simply chooses to love and he chooses to give the greatest thing that we need to reconcile ourselves to him. It is an all-out declaration by this baby coming into a major by celebrating Christmas. It is an all-out declaration 
that our sins can be forgiven and that we can be cleansed as white as snow. He did not say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this if you do that. It's not a conditional statement. It says, for God's love world, that he gave. He's not waiting for us to get cleaned up because that's his job. That's what he does. That's what he desires to do, and that's what he wants to do. And that's the only thing that he can do compared to us. This faith system of biblical Christianity is really simple right now when you take a look at it. You compile all of their faith systems. Everything is you do and you're accepted. You do and you will get. And this biblical Christianity, the message of the gospel, the message of Christmas, the message of Jesus is that, listen, I've done and I'm coming to you. It is not that you do and I'll let you in. It's I have done and I'm extending you an invitation. He gave. I always love to use the illustration, when is the gift ours? Is the gift ours when it is given to us or is it ours when we accept it? That gift truly is ours, not when it is given, but when it is accepted. And you can see that tomorrow when you pass and exchange gifts with each other. This gift that has been given is truly a gift that is ours when we accept it. Number three, the third thing that I want you to see is really important here. The rescue of God demands a response from you. So we've got, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and it says, whoever believes. Whoever. And whoever in Greek means whoever. It's just whoever. That's what it says. And and basically what we're recognizing here when we see this word, when we see this text is we're saying, hey, I get this. I realize. I believe. I am a sinner. I believe. I can't do anything about it. And I believe that you are the sacrifice for my sin, that you will pay for it in full. I believe that and I accept that. That whoever believes, what will they have? Eternal life. That is life here and that is life in in eternity. But that's enjoying him right now with who he is and what he came to do. And that is allowing us to have a right relationship with him. The next word that really gets me overwhelmed in a, a really unique way is the phrase might be. In verse 17, it says, for God, for God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. He said, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word indicates that there is a choice in this matter. That there is a, there you are faced with a decision, a response. Not a work in order to get, but a response to what he did. And so the rescue of God demands a response from us. I, I, I think back to those those boys in that cave that were there for 17 days or the miners that were there for 69 days. I imagine that the sled that's coming in, that's taking them out one at a time, I can never imagine that any of them, 12 years old, looking at them and saying, you know, I really don't want, I want to stay here. I'm good. I'd like to stay here. I can't imagine the miner sitting down there 2,300 feet below the earth when it's all completely dark and everything like that and going, you know what, I'm going to pass. I'm not, I'm not going to take the capsule that's going to take us to safety. I, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to stay here. We would look at that and we would say, no, that's absurd. Get on that capsule. We would tell them, come on, get in that thing. Go up. That capsule came down. You get in, you go up, you're safe. And here's what this verse is teaching us, that God did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came that the world would be saved or be rescued. That was his purpose in coming. He came to glorify the Father and to rescue us and have a relationship with us. And that baby that came into the manger didn't stay in a manger. 
He grew up in 33 years old. He went to the cross. He didn't stay on the cross. He came off the cross. He, didn't, he, he went into the grave. He didn't stay in the grave, but he came out of the grave. And here's what he said that he would do. When you ask and when you believe, he'll come inside of you. To forgive sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to allow us to know him, to experience him, and to be loved by him, and to love him in return. Because there's no one like him. Jesus is sufficient for all of life. And the Christmas is what we celebrate. John says that Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and in him there is no darkness. And John chapter 1, verse 27, it basically is a bold declaration as Jesus is coming in. They said, behold, the Lamb of God, what does he do? He takes away the sin of the world. And he does that when we recognize that we are sinners separated from him, but that we can be rescued by him. And there is truly nothing in the world that's like that. Some of you have heard me share this story, and I'm, I feel like that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it with you right now as we, we just conclude our time and we just um, uh, close this verse down. I want it to really mean and, and share with you the, the Christmas message of what Christ came to do. Uh, several years ago, we, uh, as a family, decided to go to the beach, and we were at the beach, and we went to the beach with Dana's family. So her father, her mother, and all of our kids, we went to the beach. We got to the beach, and so that Sunday morning, we decided that we, we, decided that we were not going to church on that, that Sunday, but, but please don't judge me for that, please. And we didn't go to church on that Sunday. We had family church at home, and so I had a devotional that I was going to do with my kids, and I took them to the stairwell outside of the 10th story of the condo that we were staying at. And we were on a stairwell, and so I stood on the top of the stairs, 12 stairs below me were my family, my, my wife, my four kids, and my mother-in-law. And they were standing down there, and I said, here's the illustration, guys. I want you to understand something. For the moment right now, I want you to know that I am God up here. I am God. And what I want you to do is I want you to come to me. Here's the rule. You can't touch the steps. So you can get a running start. You can do whatever you want to, but you got to come up to me. There's 12 steps that you got to overtake, and I want you to come to me. And so uh, first up was Andrews. He's 15 now. He's a lot younger then. He comes up. He tries. I think he got to three steps. Jake, my youngest, I think he got to two and a half. Molly got to three. Luke got to two. Dana didn't even try, my wife, and my mother-in-law said, that's impossible, I'm not doing that. And so I said, guys, let me ask you a question. They said, Dad, this is not fair. This is impossible. We can't get up there. And I'm going, I got you right where I want you. And I said, listen to me, that's exactly right. It's completely impossible for you to come up here. And that's why this is what God did. God took on human form and he came down the steps and I walked down the steps and I took my 15-year-old son who's 15 now. I took him on my back. I put him on my back. I carried him up to the top of the steps and I put him there. I went back down the steps. I got my daughter. I brought her back up to the steps. I got down the steps. I took Luke, my my 12-year-old son. I brought him up. I went down and got Jake and I brought him back up. I went down and I got my, my wife and I took her up and I got my mother-in-law, 65 years old. She got on my back and she just hollered. <laughs> and we got all the way up to the top of the steps and she's just like, "Woo! Jesus came for me. We're sitting up there on the top of the platform and I asked them a question. I said, let me ask you a question. Guys, what did you learn? What did you learn? What did you learn? They said, Dad, it's impossible for us to come to God. That's exactly right. 
But what else did you learn? He came for us. And Luke at that time goes, he came for me. And then Molly, he came for me. And Grammy, he came for me too. And Dana, he came for me. And then Molly and Jake and Luke and all of them said that. And I'm here to tell you at Christmas time that he came for you. And we celebrate, we celebrate King Jesus coming to us. The word Advent, as I said before, means arrival. The word Emmanuel, we saw him, God with us. He came to us. So my encouragement to you is to respond how God is leading you to respond. If those of you that are in here right now and you're saying, you know what, I've never been rescued. All I know is I know head knowledge about him, but I don't have an experience of saying I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I'm asking you while we sing Silent Night and Joy to the World that you would call on the name of Jesus and ask him to save you, to rescue you. And here's what I want you to know. He'll do that because that's what his word says. You call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You will be rescued. Christmas, Christmas is a bold declaration, a bold declaration that you are loved, that you've been given a gift, and we have a response. I'm asking you to respond. I'm asking you to respond as the Lord leads you to respond. But understand, understand that the greatest rescue is possible. Not when we white knuckle our way through it or when we try to do good works. It is possible when we repent and place our faith in King Jesus. He is worth it. He is good. He is alive. He came as a baby to save us from our sins, which is our greatest, greatest need. I love you. I pray you have a fantastic Christmas. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for the gift that you are to us. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to stand up here to teach and to speak about you. I thank you for all that you have done for us. I thank you for the songs that we sing and how we can have joy in you and only through you. I thank you that we can be rescued by you. I thank you that we can be changed by you. I thank you that we can be transformed by you. I thank you for coming down in our depravity and in our sin, not letting that be a hindrance, but paying a debt we do not owe, we cannot pay, so that we could live for you. So I love you, God. I thank you. I pray that we would have a great celebration this Christmas, that you would be lifted up, that you would be glorified and that we would boldly declare that there is no greater rescue in all of the world than you sending this baby into the manger. We love you. In Jesus' name.